the MoneyWeb Be a Better Investor podcast, picking the brains of professional investors on their investment strategies, successes, and mistakes. Your host, Rake Fanica. Welcome to this week's edition of the Be a Better Investor podcast. It's the podcast where I speak to finance and investment professionals about their investment journeys and their personal approach to investment. We delve into their past and discuss when they were first exposed to investments and how the bug bit that they actually pursued a career in the investment world. And the idea is to find a few tips and tricks from their personal experiences to assist amateur retail investors to become better investors. My guest today is Makwe Masilela. He's the founder and chief investment officer of Makwe Fund Managers. Makwe, thank you so much for your time today and for coming into studio. Where did it start? Where did you grow up? And when were you first exposed to investments? Thanks for having me. You know, I think I was kind of fortunate. Yes, I was born and bred in Pretoria, a town called Hamanskran. And I'm saying I was fortunate because my dad used to work for a stockbroking firm. So I knew at a very tender age that I wanted to go into this field. And, you know, usually at school when you are good with maths and this, they would encourage you to become a doctor. But I knew very well because then I used to call them the guys in white shirts. Remember, they used to trade on the floor. And then I started reading. I think I started reading when I was doing grade six or so, business section of the newspaper. And believe me, 90% I couldn't even understand. But I had the satisfaction and the fulfillment. When other boys maybe were reading the sports part of the newspaper, I will read that part. Then I had the satisfaction. So I knew very well from a very tender age that this is what I want to do. Did your dad take you to the floor of the JC? Because I would imagine that was still when there was a lot of shouting and people waving papers around. He did, and it was not intentional. It was like maybe I'm coming with him to come and buy something in Chobek, and then I have to go to his work. So he didn't know that by just passing through there, that was working on me. And sometimes even used to take me to the court, you know, to go and listen, you know, while we are waiting for other things to do. So he was just doing that as a way of passing time. But for me, it worked on me. Then that's when I knew that this is what I want to do. And I think my mom as well played a role because, you know, when we're growing up, I don't know what they call it in proper English, spinning, you know. So she took my money. She made me go and buy lollipops to start selling them instead of me gambling. So then that's when I started. So you had entrepreneur's blood in your veins. Did you talk about investments at home? You said you were reading the business sections of newspapers when you were standard six or grade eight. Did your dad discuss investments with you? And when did you make your very first investment? You know, it was discussed indirectly and among all the family members. I remember my mom used to say to her sisters that you must fix it, you know, because when you fixed it, even if you want it, you won't be able to go and get it. So that's meaning they have to do fixed deposit at the bank. So that was their kind of investments then, you know, they didn't have the exposure to go directly. But that's the term you need to fix it. To fix it, you know, that's the fixed deposit, you know. So she will say to the sisters, fix it, fix it, fix the money. So... This is how we've been talking about investments, you know, broadly, but nothing specific about analyzing the stock market, stuff like that. And I also got to be excited when after the news, if you remember, then they'll show you your oil price, your gold price, then the rent. Then I got confused that why are they saying it's in the black? Because we usually identify black as a bad thing, you know. So 
I had to learn myself some of this terminology, stuff like that. And my first investment was when I was doing my second year at university, and it happened to be Edcon. Edcon. Ah, Edcon. And for me, it made sense, you know, because by then knowing, not 100% understanding, but at least having an idea of investments, by then, almost all the university kids, they had an account at Edgar's. That shop was pumping. Then I realized that these guys are making money, though I didn't understand their financials, whether there are more liabilities, debt, stuff like that. But for me, it was the footfall. For me, it was, you know what, everybody has got an account at Edcon, you know. So I thought, okay, this business is making money. I might as well start buying into it. That was when I was doing my second year in university, Edcon, and yeah, the rest is history. I can't remember exactly how Edcon performed. Obviously, over the past few years, there were many, many problems. But you are very anonymous on social media. I tried to do some research about your background and what you studied, but you seem to be very mysterious and off social media. What did you study and why? You know, as I said that I knew that this is what I want to do. So when I went to university, then I did my degree in economics. Then I did econometrics at University of Pretoria. Then I made a point that I had to go and write my stockbroking exams. I remember when I was, they were still being offered by Vets University. And I had a car, but I would use a train to go to my studies because they were offered after hours. Then I knew that that one hour train ride, I would use that as an opportunity to study and even going back. Then I will just use my cars on Friday. Then I did my stockbroking exams with them. Then I did all this funny and all this necessary courses required by the GSE. Registered a trader, key person's exams, stuff like that. Mathematical modeling in derivatives. But my university it was at University of Tebenoisville. And then went to University of Pretoria, then also to VETS. The stockbroking exam is actually quite interesting because you have courses today focusing on investment management and then you have got chartered financial accountants and people who really study the theory of the valuation of companies how did the stockbroking qualification how does that assist you in finding the shares how much does that differ from those more focused investment management courses you know by then we didn't have courses like your investment advice stuff like that people will either do accounting and as an accountant people will know how to prepare the financials but now with investing you it's good to know how to prepare them but more importantly how to interpret them because now you are making investment decision on that and as we all know that we buy a stock going forward so you also have to work out you know other things combined with economic stuff like that but then, I don't know if they've changed the exams. When they were offered at Vets University, I think under the Department of Commerce, we had to write four exams. It was your rules and regulations, so that you understand that. Then there was like interpretation of financial statements. Then we also had some investment advice. I don't remember the fourth one was what. And fortunately, all those courses, I know, maybe not all, but I know of two professionals who were working full-time were offering the courses. David Shapiro used to offer us the investment advice or something like that. And there was this guy, I don't remember his name again, but he's very big, but he's known, you know, when it comes to compliance. He was offering us the rules and regulations. So it dealt directly with the stock exchange itself. You understand how they operate. You understand all this investment advice, how to interpret that. Then obviously, given that it's only four modules, there's no way you can compare that with someone doing maybe a CA or a CFA. But now that itself helped to be 
registered or have a qualification to say that you have passed your SA Institute of Stockbrokers exams? There are many young people, and I'm talking about people getting their first job, let's say under 30. They contribute towards a pension fund or a retirement annuity, but then they also would like to invest in the stock market, not only to build a portfolio or get some, you know, a cushion emergency fund, but also to learn what is going on in markets and in companies and our economy. Do you think those individuals can be successful without a professional investment focus qualification? Yes, because they've got their full-time jobs. You don't have to be an investment professional. As much as if I need to go to court, I'll go to a lawyer. I don't have to be a lawyer myself. So they just have to focus on their field. But everyone needs to understand the basics of anything that you require services for. So they need to understand that, listen, I need an investment advice. I need to start investing in stocks. And they are fortunate. And maybe let's start by saying it's important to encourage them. I mean, we know the JSE, less than 5-6% is retail clients. It's a mainly institutional clients compared to other developed stock exchanges. So there's still a huge gap for us to get our people to be part and parcel of the JSE and as they do that they'll be building some savings but you need to know that if you invest or just like if you need to go to court or if maybe you need a surgery you need to go to a specialist you know it sounds nice when people are talking you know around tables that hey I'm trading I'm trading I usually say listen it's just an electronic communication, the JSE won't allow you to put in a trade because you will distort the market. Basically, you are communicating with someone, either at your bank or whatever, electronically. That the ones that they will take those orders and place it with the JSE because you have to be a registered trader. But the long and short is it becomes fashionable that I'm trading, but trading people need to understand that listen this is money i need to get the right and proper advice how to go about and i usually encourage our clients that for you to have a an understanding go forward. Please ask us why did we buy this particular share or why did we sell it? You don't have the level of understanding that I have, but you will start to have a sense, you know. So I think people have to be careful to not try to be traders because they've got their own jobs, you know. And we're not saying that you cannot become a better trader if you have trained for something else, but make sure that you get a professional to help you and guide you through the process. Would you, as a young individual, buy individual shares or would you invest through unit trusts or other collective investment schemes? And I want to remind you that your very first investment was Edcon, which was a share. <laughs> you know, my understanding and the way I've been taking unit trust was that, you know, unit trust helps you when, number one, you don't have that required lump sum by most wealth management companies. So it helps you that you can have an exposure, you know, with some minimal amount. You know, we know the other guys were starting at 300, 400, stuff like that. So it's a nice way to help you to build up. But now if you have a lump sum, then I will definitely go straight and buy into a particular shares to the selection. But 
at the end of the day, and hence I'm emphasizing that it sounds nice and fashionable to say I'm trading. You know, a portfolio manager gets to make sure that your portfolio gets to be balanced and diversified. My point is you can have a portfolio where you have five, six shares and also have maybe an index as well, you know, to try to make sure that it balances. So hence I'm saying it's very important not to just get excited because those guys, they know what they're doing and have to balance things. So I'm not completely ruling out the participating somehow in an index, maybe if it's part of the diversification of a portfolio, why not? And I think the point you make is really relevant that if you only have three, four, maybe 500 rand or even a thousand rand, it doesn't make sense to buy individual shares because it's too expensive. I know some platforms like Easy Equities provide it at a cheaper rate, but in many ways it would make sense then to go into a unit trust. How has your valuation techniques changed over the course of your career. Edcon, for example, you said you thought it was a company that will grow because everyone have a account there. How has it changed? I'm sure you're not doing that anymore. <laughs> not anymore. And, you know, hence it's important and hence we also have this continuous learning when it comes to our industry and other industries also do that because there are new trends, there are new ways of seeing things that you have to adjust to. And you are right, you know, that we get number one to understand. Other people, they evaluate shares mainly based on technicals, others on fundamentals, others still use fundamentals. What is the difference between the two? You know, fundamentals basically will look into the fundamentals of the company. How is it doing? The balance sheet, the environment they operate in, you know, what are the cash flow projections going forward, you know, free cash flow, stuff like that. And technicals will basically look into the history by using the graphs to say that, okay, it dipped here. Maybe if it hits here, then it has to go up. You, or you look at the shape of the graphs, the head and shoulders. Exactly, you know, stuff like that. Does it work? I'll tell you something. I know people who use that as an entry or an exit point. But that has been backed by fundamentals. And I've tried that. I've seen it working that the main driver here continues to be a fundamental that this is a nice stock to buy. But the biggest thing is when must I buy it? What level? So using that as part of the entry point or exit point, I've seen it working sometimes. But as we said offline, you know, we don't usually get this right. If we were doing this right every time, I will not be here. I'll probably be owning my island somewhere. But my valuations changed over time, continue to improve. But truth be told, the past two years, I don't know who's using valuations because all these things are not driven by any valuation. Nothing makes sense now. Yeah, just for a bit of context, then the fundamental analysis is a deep financial analysis of the financial statements of a company. And a technical analysis is where you actually take the share price performance and you look at the shape of the growth and then you take certain decisions or trading decisions based on the shape where maybe there are some resistance levels and if it goes beyond it you believe it will run if it dips below it you think maybe it's a good time to sell because it can uh, fall further if you can give yourself advice when you were 21 22 years old what advice would you give yourself you know i should have number one continued to invest more when it comes to shares because I was fortunate that my first job, I was around Pretoria, and that is my hometown. When I bought my first apartment, I should not have used that as my primary residence because, truth be told, I didn't need that. I should have allowed it to become my investment property, then get people to rent it out, then they continue to pay the bond for me. By now, probably, I'll be some smaller and a big shot, you know, when it comes to property investments. Well, you've got a, your own investment firm. Um, I think that says a lot. Okay, 
What has been your best investment you have ever made? The one you are the most proud of? Oceana. Oceana. Tell us about it. You know, and that was years back, you know, and thanks to one of my colleagues that we analyzed the share together that, you know, these guys, when they were starting to get those uh, fishing rights to be opened up, you know, acquiring those rights, then that's when we got involved. I remember we even mentioned it as part of our top 10 shares at some point in one of the publications, and mainly because we could see that these guys are at the right place at the right time where things are starting to open up and they had the necessary credentials to be able to be awarded the rights, let alone that they had the right partners then who will also help the influence when it comes to them getting those rights. So that was one of my best. And that's before the guys could even start expanding in the U.S. So then we made good money out of that. Do you still own Oceana? I'm out. Long time ago. I think the last time I owned Oceana was four or five years back. Why did you get out? I think we felt that we made our money. And also that time when we had the financial crisis, then we got out. And your worst investment ever? DRT Gold. Tell us the story. You know, I got it wrong. I thought the guys are mining. Not realizing that the guys basically are not mining. The guys are working on those dumps. And out of those dumps, that's where they tried to get their gold. Unlike maybe the other mining companies or harmonies of this world, stuff like that. Then I realized that, you know, those dumps... It's very difficult because you cannot do a competent person's report to tell the grade, to tell the amount of ore which is there. By then, it could be like a lucky-lucky kind of a thing. Unlike a mining company, they will do the drilling, then they can determine, depending on the competent person's report, that this is what we are expecting. So I thought, you know, this is nice and cheap, you know, then I should sit back. But and DRD Gold performed relatively well, especially after Sabanya Stillwater took but a stake. But that's now. But years back, before Sabanya took a stake, before the guys were debt free, then that was a different story. Because now, yes, they're looking okay. Sabanya took a stake. The guys, they don't have a bank debt. I agree. It's a different story now. But then, when I got involved with them, it was one of my worst. And I cannot forget that. DRD Gold, they mine or process old mining dumps and they extract gold from it. And it is, I think, Sabanya Stillwater owns around a third of it currently. It's an interesting stock. Then, just lastly, how much do you read about investments? Because obviously you are looking at computer screens and annual reports on a daily basis. But how much do you read about investments outside of your professional job? I think... Roughly one hour, 30 minutes a day when I wake up early in the morning. You know, I wake up around half past two, quarter to three. I do all of that before. Half past two, quarter to three in the morning. Those who know me, they know that's when I respond to even to their emails and to their WhatsApp. What time do you go to bed? <laughs> before I even go to gym, I make sure I've done that. <laughs> and then thereafter, it's a different story. Around 10-ish. Okay. But fortunately, I'm a deep sleeper. So during the day, I don't have issues. I don't even get tired. What do you read? You know, to understand how people can try to extract value from whatever that they get to see, how not to get your psychology to overweigh the facts on the table because, you know, we're emotional beings. Sometimes we just make mistakes because we're emotional and we get married to things that we're not supposed to, you know, supposed just to be get married to our spouses. But people being people, we end up doing stuff like that. 
also how people, especially when it comes to biographies of people who have made it, I enjoy that. I even go to the extent of looking into those documentaries, and that one it does this regardless of the industry. So a biography of any other person, whether whatever industry involved in, because I think out of all that, it shows you the perseverance. It shows you that you know when we see things being nice and glamorous out there, we don't understand the hard work that went behind that. So it's also part of self motivation that even when I go around and start having some obstacles here and there it works as a motivation for me going forward Makwe, thank you so much for coming into studio today and for sharing your insights i believe there are several nuggets of gold of wisdom and i trust many people will learn from it so thank you for sharing your insights thank you for having me that was Makwe masilela he is the owner and chief investment officer of Makwe fund managers show me the money <laughs> That was the Money Web, the A Better Investor podcast with Rake for Kneecap. Thanks for listening. Catch up and listen to all the Money Web podcasts on moneyweb.co.za or the app. Money Web, your trusted source for business and investment insights.